Medical Specialists Associates, making medical education more accessible. Hi, my name is Christopher Viscopoulos. I'm president of Medical Specialist Associates. I'm a board-certified critical care doctor practicing primarily in the United States. And our focus here in Medical Specialist Associates is to bring out academic information and integrate it into clinical practice um, in a very unique way to where we make it easier for physicians to follow guidelines in quote-unquote real-world practice applications. And here I'm joined with Dr. Nazir Habib, who I will let introduce himself. Hi, thanks, uh, Chris. Yeah, I'm Nazir Habib. I'm board certified in internal medicine and critical care medicine. And I've been practicing, as you can probably tell, for many, many years. And I probably have more wisdom than, uh, than Chris, but <laughs> hopefully he can uh, help with the other literature and info scientific information. Again, yeah, I think our point here is to deliver some scientific uh, literature and uh, recommendations that people can apply every day at the bedside. So Dr. Habib, thanks for uh, joining me today. It's always uh, a pleasure. Um, I, uh, I wanted to uh, ask you a few questions about the use of BiPAP in uh, COVID-19. So my first question would you, for you would be that, you know, as we know, one of the primary effects that we see of COVID-19 is hypoxia and really severe hypoxia. But as we know, uh, as critical care doctors, you know, there's multiple ways to treat that hypoxia from hypolonasal cannula to CPAP to BiPAP to mechanical ventilation. However, there exists some society guidelines that recommend to avoid BiPAP in COVID-19. Can you, can you tell me why that might be? Yes, uh, thanks, uh, Chris, uh, for inviting me. That's an excellent question that comes up very frequently on our ICU rounds and even on the floor when patient is deteriorating soon after admission and they're getting more hypoxic. And what are the strategies that are available to us? And what are the national and international guidelines say about this? I've actually posted the paper on our website for, for reference and as a summary for people. And there's the huge concern about the use of non-invasive ventilation. The primary mode for non-invasive respiratory support that's recommended by pretty much everybody is high-flow nasal cannula, which has become the uh, modality to defer to in patients with hypoxemia and COVID. The reason that we do not prefer BiPAP as opposed to CPAP is that patients with COVID universally, with very few exceptions, have respiratory alkalosis. This is leading to a unique feature of COVID called patient self-induced lung injury, PSILI, which is well described by John Marini. And the concern is that when these patients have respiratory alkalosis, they generate very high tidal volumes and very high rapid respiration rates, which are both a negative prognostic factor. So when you do a blood gas and the patient already has respiratory alkalosis, it is actually quite dangerous to augment their tidal volume further, especially if you exceed a safe tidal volume of nine cc's per kilo. We know from our ARDS 
data that exceeding eight cc's per kilo, ideal body weight, can injure, rupture alveoli and cause this villi vortex. The villi vortex causes alveolar rupture, cytokine release, more inflammation, and then secondary complications like pneumothoraces, uh, sub-Q air, and even nosocomial pneumonia. So generally, we want to go to high-flow nasal cannula as a preferred method of delivering um, oxygen. So, and it's uh, important. Go ahead. Yeah, when I when I hear you, you know, talk about this, I just reflect on basic, you know, ARDS management strategies with low tidal volume lung protective strategies, you know, and and it makes me think of you know the two areas that we pay attention to, which is stretch injury, uh, what you were referring to, trying to target within four to eight cc's uh, per kilo, and and ideally lower than eight, you know, if possible. Again, focusing on that uh, that stretch protection, you know, and and barotrauma. And it also makes me reflect that in COVID-19, you know, we know that we have a, a lung inflammatory condition. And so, you know, the lungs could be even more sensitive uh, when they're inflamed um, uh, to the stretch injury. So it sounds like what we're, what we're saying to our listeners is that in conventional BiPAP, when we have that IPAP, um, that pressure support, the patient is naturally breathing heavy. You had referenced the, the metabolic alkalosis. And then here, by adding that pressure support on top, we run the risk that they get even greater excessive tidal volumes, and that's where they could possibly hurt themselves. You are absolutely correct, Chris. And I think this is a unique and pretty much a universal problem with COVID. So, you know, add, and that's why the societies and internationally, we're moving away from the use of BiPAP as a non-invasive ventilation mode, as opposed, as opposed to CPAP. BiPAP will augment these tidal volumes into the risk zone. And the risk zone is nine cc's per kilo ideal body weight. That number should be firmly entrenched in our brain. And uh, you know, shifting gears just a little bit. Now, BiPAP can be a little complicated uh, these days. Uh, we have conventional BiPAP in which we have that inspiratory support and expiratory support. But these days, we also have uh, available, at least on most machines, uh, what is called AVAPS, which stands for Average Volume Assured Pressure Support. So basically, what I could do for a patient instead is I could dial them in to, say, 400 cc's tidal volume, and that's what they would be guaranteed to get. Now, they can, of course, breathe over that, but at least that's what they're guaranteed uh, to get you know, per volume. What is your feeling about possibly putting someone on AVAPs instead of conventional BiPAP? Would that be possibly maybe safer? I think that these patients generally are going to pull in very large tidal volumes. I have not seen patients, you know, have low tidal volumes. But if you are to have somebody with COVID who has COPD, for example, and they're tiring, or somebody who has sleep apnea and their tidal volumes are low, then I would use the AVAPS mode to ensure that you don't exceed that safe tidal volume of eight to nine cc's per kilo. So AVAPS is an excellent mode to assure that you're sticking to that tidal volume. And then again, I think it's very important for everybody to understand that the alarm settings are very important too, right? So if we are going to augment the tidal volume, I would recommend AVAPS. 
I would recommend to stay below eight cc's per kilo, like in COPD or, or sleep apnea um, or over sedation, and then look at your alarms. Thank you. I think I'm just going to uh, draw our listeners to two points uh, as we come to close here. You know, we will um, have uh, on our website uh, a blog article in reference uh, to this um, where we highlight a paper, which is the outcomes of COVID-19 patients intubated after failure of non-invasive ventilation. And this is a multi-center observational study, and it, and it helps drive home our point here to where um, you know, uh, patients uh, did not do well uh, on non-invasive ventilation, and they ultimately uh, required uh, uh, intubation. Um, what is uh, interesting about the paper is that they were not able to differentiate between CPAP and BiPAP, and so really to target into that self-induced lung injury. And you know, most researchers have not been able to dial into analyzing that self-induced lung injury and to really answer the question, how much damage are we causing um, these individuals, their lungs, and are we making it more difficult uh, when they go on mechanical ventilation? But since this paper highlights that really BiPAP does not appear to be effective, it kind of almost is a moot point. We're really only possibly uh, exposing the patient to risk with really not benefit. So um, as always, I, I really appreciate your time and thanks for uh, educating us on this important topic. Thank you very much, Chris, for inviting me. For more information, please visit our website at www.med-specialists.net. You can also find us on YouTube as Medical Specialists Associates. Thanks for listening.